It is definitely an honor to be up here for Ross. My wife and my three kids and myself, we've been attending this church for about a year and a half, and this church has helped us grow so much in our own personal walk in the Lord. Um, everybody in this church loves Christ, and so we're, we all flourish because of that. Um, we have the incredible privilege of being taught by one of the best Bible teachers around, Pastor Ross. I have the privilege of working with, with Ross and with Adam and with Barb, who is an amazing woman of God. I'm just, I'm so blessed to uh, be a part of this fellowship. So thank you guys very much. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this privilege and this honor to be able to speak your word this morning. I ask that you would stir your people up unto good works, that your word would go forth in power. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll go from verse 11 down to the end of the chapter. And really, this passage we're going to be talking about sharing the gospel. And sharing the gospel is my, one of the, my most favorite things to do besides hanging out with my wife and kids. I mean, I'm the crazy guy that you'll see on the street corner standing on a box in the middle of a gay pride parade telling people to repent and believe in Jesus. Bottles being thrown at me, people spit. That's, that's me. I just I love telling people about Christ, whether I'm heralding it from a, a little soapbox or if I'm talking to someone one-on-one -on -one or handing out a gospel track. I just, I love it. I mean, I'm standing here today in Christ because somebody shared the gospel with me. So I think it's really fitting for us to look at this as well, especially in light of the fact that we're going to be doing um, evangelism training on Wednesday nights. So let's start with verse 11. We're going to read uh, down through the text, and then we'll come back and kind of work our way through it. So, Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us, so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we're in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God we're making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that's what we'll be looking at today. And what I want to do is 
I want to answer three questions that, I, that pop out at me. Question number one, why we share the gospel. Question number two, um, what the gospel does. And then finally, what it is. So starting with verse 11, Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. So the Apostle Paul, he had this amazing reverence for God, for God's holiness and His majesty and His glory. And, and no wonder, he had seen the risen Savior when Paul was going to uh, Damascus to, to take Christians back to Jerusalem in chains. Jesus Christ appeared to him and he saw the Lord in all His glory. He was knocked off his horse and the next thing you know, he's preaching the gospel. So the Apostle Paul, he knew what it was to fear the Lord. And Paul knew that he was going to stand before Jesus Christ someday and give an account for his life, an account um, for what he did with the stewardship that had been entrusted to him, namely the stewardship of the gospel. And all of us, too, we're going to stand before God someday, and we're going to give an account for our life and what we've done with his glorious gospel. The Apostle Paul, his aim was to please the Lord. He wanted to show the Lord Jesus Christ that he loved him by obeying him. And that's what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. It's a commandment from God to us. He doesn't simply suggest, go and tell people about me if you feel like it or if you think that they're worthy. No, Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. It's not a suggestion. It's his commandment to us, his people. Now, I think that one of the reasons that Jesus Christ commands us to preach his gospel and doesn't just suggest it to us is because it's an offensive message. It generates hostility in people. 1 Peter 2.8, he tells us that Jesus Christ is... Um, the stone of stumbling and the rock of offense. Jesus Christ himself said that the world hates me because I testify to it that its deeds are evil, an offensive message. All of the apostles were martyred except for John, who just would not die. Yeah, it's... it's just, it's just an offensive message. It's a hard message. And so God commands us to do this. And it's very common throughout the scripture to see the Lord commanding his people to deliver his message. We see God uh, commanding Moses to go to Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, and to say, let my people go. <sighs> Pharaoh had those people. They were doing his bidding, building his cities, anything he wanted. And God was going to send little old Moses to go to this ruler and to command him to let the people go. That's crazy. Jeremiah. God had set Jeremiah apart from his womb to be a prophet to the nations. And when God revealed this to Jeremiah, Jeremiah's like, ah, I'm too young for this. And and God said, no, you're going to do this. I command you to do it. And and Jeremiah had to deliver a very uh, difficult message, a message of judgment, Ezekiel, God uh, is command, commands Ezekiel to go and to preach to the people whether they hear or refuse to hear. It didn't matter. God's message was to go out. 
It didn't matter how the people responded. God wanted his message to go out. And God commands us to do the same thing. Even though our message is offensive, even though it may cause our neighbors to avoid us, or cause us to lose friends, or people to make fun of us, or, in the rare case in America, one of us might get hurt. You know, because we love God, because we want to be obedient to Him, because we fear Him, because we know that we're going to stand before Him someday and give an account, we get out of our comfort zone, and we share the gospel with people, and we share it with our neighbors and with our family. It's so important. And I mean, really, it's for their own good. Lost souls. The whole world is full of lost souls, people that are separated from God. The Bible tells us that anyone who does not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ is condemned already. Walking condemned people. Hebrews chapter 9 says, It is appointed unto man once to die. After this comes the judgment. Everybody you know is going to stand before the living God. And if they're not saved, oh, I fear for them. Revelation 20 says at the great white throne that heaven and earth will try to flee from His presence and no place will be found for them. So at that judgment, all the dead will be standing there. Everybody who has not given their life to Jesus Christ. And their book will be opened And they will be judged according to what is written in the book, according to what they have done, everything they've ever done. Every careless word they'll give an account for, every deed. They will be judged for the secrets of their heart. Wow, that is scary. And there's going to be no excuse for those people on that day, no excuse for the person uh, out in the middle of the jungle who's never heard. Because Romans tells us that they have creation, which testifies to the glory of God. They have their conscience. And so really, that obligates us. We're obligated out of love for them, and out of concern for their well-being and their soul. You know, how can they hear without a preacher? Romans 10 tells us that. Paul, the apostle, he said, I am obligated to preach the gospel to Greeks and to non-Greeks, to the wise and to the foolish. If you had the cure for cancer, would you keep it to yourself? Knowing that there's millions of people in the world uh, who could be saved if you would just let it out? No, you wouldn't. You'd feel obligated to share because you love people. You don't want them to suffer. The Apostle Paul, he was, he was very eager to share the gospel. He was obligated and he was eager because he knew that the gospel of Jesus Christ was the power of God for salvation. We have this very same gospel that God entrusted to Paul. And God used this man to turn the whole world upside down. He wants to do the same thing with us. I know it can be challenging at times to to share the gospel life gets in the way i mean there are days where you know i'll have a very long day and i'll be coming home from work or whatever i'm doing and and all i want to do is see my wife and kids 
but I have this neighbor, you know, this neighbor I've lived next to for six months that I have not shared the gospel with. It's like grinding on my heart. I've been praying for him and praying for him, but, but I have this long day, and I'll get home from work, and I'll be walking towards my house, and there he is, you know. And the last thing I want to do is end up in a 15, 20-minute conversation about the gospel when I want to see my kids. So I understand that things can be challenging, um, and I understand that it can be awkward. Same neighbor. I finally got to the point where I, I was like, I'm going to share with this guy. I'm going to do it. And so one time, he was outside working on his motorcycle. And I, I didn't know what to say. It was just like I had to walk up to him. And so I walked up to him. This is really embarrassing, by the way. <clears throat> All right, thank you. I walked up to him, and I, and I was like, so, you know, the way you're working on your motorcycle there? That's the way God works on men's hearts. And when that, I know, when that came out of my mouth, I was like, I'm the dumbest person in the world. And he kind of looked up to me, looked, looked at me, and he made me feel like, he's like, really? I was like, yeah. I was like, well, I got to go now, you know? And I just walked away feeling so stupid, you know? But, and my wife, you know, she agreed with me. That was pretty dumb. But, but I didn't give up. I, went, I took it to the Lord in prayer. And, and I, I just kept praying and seeking the Lord. He's my next door neighbor. I, ha- I can't go out and stand on a street corner and preach to hundreds of people and then come home and not share with my neighbor. It's just my conscience, you know. So I took it to the Lord in prayer. And the opportunity came again. He was sitting on his porch. And instead of coming up with some cheesy line to try to... I just walked up to him. I said, hey, do you know what the gospel is? And he said, no. And so... The door was open, and I just shared the gospel with him right there. And so if, if you feel awkward and stuff, just seek the Lord. Keep trying to preach the gospel to people. Keep trying to reach out to your neighbors. It's so important. I mean, if you don't, who's going to? They're not going to save themselves. They need to hear the gospel. All right, moving on. We're going to move on to, uh, we're going to just read the next verse. So what we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us, so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. So the Apostle Paul is he's being accused of being crazy. And I can understand why people would, would call the Apostle Paul crazy. He gave up the life of a Pharisee, the life of prominence, of those greetings in the marketplaces and the chief seats and the synagogues and at the feasts, really to become a spectacle to the world and to angels and to men, to be reviled, to be cursed, to be spit upon, to be poorly dressed, to go hungry and thirsty at times really to become the scum of the world? I can understand why people called Paul crazy. But really, God, Almighty God, had called, called Paul to this kind of life for the sake of the gospel. And the Corinthians were evidence of God's uh, or of Paul's apostleship. They got saved because of Paul. So it's just glorious. I remember a time a few years ago, I was praying that the Lord would use me to reach the lost. Just 
use me, God, use me, God, use me, God. And I remember I was driving in Petaluma, and I was at the intersection of Washington and, and Petaluma Boulevard, and I looked up the street, and I saw, like, I don't know, maybe 100 high school, college-age people just standing around talking. And it was like the Lord took this, like, veil off of my eyes or something, and there was, like, this big blinking light, and it said... <laughs> Witness, witness, open door, open door. Ah, why didn't I never see this before? They're just standing there. They want me to come and witness to them, you know? So, so I got a friend, and, and we started going down there. It was the Phoenix Theater. It's, a, it's, a, it's like a, a place where they do punk rock concert and rap concerts and just real ungodly kind of stuff. They have some Christian concerts there, too, but... But uh, so we were going down there and just doing, you know, one on one, talking to the kids, passing out tracks, just that kind of stuff, real simple, easy stuff. And through the course of being down there, I ended up speaking with the owner of the place. His name was Tom. And I just got this idea. I was like, you know, I'm going to ask this guy a question. I said, what do you think if, if I got on the stage in the middle of one of your punk rock concerts unannounced and preached the gospel? I'm asking this to the owner of the place. This is his business. And he said, yes. He said, yes. I know. And so, who does that? You know? It's his business. I just sounded like Ross, didn't I? Okay. Um, so about a month, a month later, the, the appointment was set. It was going to be, he called it the hornet's nest, one of the really crazy, you know, mosh pit kind of bands. I got, there were seven of us who went down there. Mike D was one of them. And um, I remember there was, it was dark and the guy was screaming like a demon. That's the way they sung. And, and the whole building was shaking. And I was on the stage in the back waiting for the first band to finish. And I was going to go on right when they set down that mic. So he got done singing and there was that mosh pit. And he set down the mic and one of, the, one of the employees of the Phoenix, he walked across the stage, and he kind of gave me the little head nod. And I was like, okay, you know. <laughs> so I went out there, and I picked up this mic. And there's, you know, everyone's out there looking at me. And I just opened my mouth. I said, one day, everyone in here is going to die. <laughs> and then, you're all going to stand before the judgment seat of the Holy God. And they all went nuts, (laughs) spitting, throwing, cussing, trying to jump on the stage, chanting out Satan's name. I preached the gospel, the full gospel to them, the whole gospel. Now, you might say, that's crazy, and I was out of my mind, and and I would say, yeah, but but you see, God... God is the one who opened that door. I was out of my mind for the sake of God. And really, the whole world thinks that Christians are out of their mind. I remember one time in in a class that I was in, there was this guy in the class with me, and he was one of those guys who believed that we're all God. Within each one of us is the Christ. One of those kind of guys. You know what I'm talking about? And, and anyways, so there was this lady there, and I asked her, I said, who's crazier, the Christian who believes that Jesus Christ 
died on the cross for our sins, that he rose from the dead for our justification. And if you repent and put your trust in him, you'll be saved and you'll escape the wrath of God. Or this guy over here who believes that everybody's God. And she looked at me right in the eyes and she said, the Christian. The world thinks we're crazy. They think we're crazy because we believe in one God. Because we believe in repentance and heaven and and hell and all these things. But we know whom we have believed. We know that Christ is alive. We know that we have not followed uh, these cunningly devised fables. But our King, he's, He's real. And so... And so we, we really got to get over this idea that, you know, we got to submit to them and, and try to please them. They're lost. They're, they think that the preaching of the cross is foolishness really because they're perishing. So we've got to get over that when you're sitting at the table with your relatives at a holiday meal. Just know they think you're crazy. It's okay. That's just the way it is. They thought Jesus was crazy. They thought the apostles were crazy all the way down through the generations, and they think you are crazy. So get over it. Your allegiance is not to them, but it's to your Creator, Almighty God, to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that you're accountable to. He's the one that you want to demonstrate uh, your obedience to. So, I mean, the Word of God says that the fear of man brings a snare. So if you're just worried all the time about what people think... That's going to that's gonna clam you up. You're never going to share the gospel. Get over it. Share the gospel. They think you're crazy. All right. Verse 14, moving on. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So this verse, he says, Christ's love compels us. So this is all about God's love. It's, it's God's plan. John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. God wills that none perish, but that all come to repentance. 1 Timothy 2, 4 that says that God desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So it's really, it's God's plan. He is the one, Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, who came to this planet to seek and save the lost. And he is the one who continues his work to this very day through his people. Verse 20 of this same text says that we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making his appeal through us. Amazing. God is so serious about seeing people get saved. If you look at the cross, you look at the nails that Jesus uh, received in his hands and his feet, you see the crown of thorns. If you look at his back, he's very serious. He'll use a pastor to bring somebody to Christ. He'll use a guy on TV. He'll use someone on the radio. But most importantly, he uses us in our daily lives, speaking to our neighbors, handing out a gospel tract to someone at the grocery store, teaching our kids, mothers at home, the ways of the Lord, and teaching them 
the gospel of Jesus Christ. God wants to use you. Make yourself available to him. Your life is so short. You are going to stand before him. Let's take him very seriously. Moving on, verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. So this is talking about our perspective. We can't just judge, you know, by a person's outward appearance and say, oh, that they must be a Christian. I have this man that I know in my life that uh, he's a good friend of mine. He's very uh, good man, very well-dressed, rich, very clean-spoken, very successful man. He's a family man. He's got a wonderful family. All of his, his children are well-educated. They go to Ivy League schools. Just a wonderful man. If I was to judge outwardly, I would say this man is a Christian because he's just a really good guy. But I know better. I've talked to him about the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't believe. He's not saved. So we can't just look outwardly. We have to share the gospel with people. All right, moving on. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And this brings us to our, our next point, what, what the gospel does in a, in a person's life. The gospel, it makes people alive. It doesn't take bad men and make them good. It takes dead men and brings them back to life. John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus says, He who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but he has passed from death to life. John chapter 11, Jesus Christ, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes on me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And he that lives and believes on me shall never die. Matthew chapter 8. The leper, the social outcast, the man who is as, he's as good as dead, hairs messed up, clothes ripped, cast out of relationship with his family and his friends, oozing sores. He comes to the feet of Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, falls down and he says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He acknowledged that Jesus was the only way for him to be cleansed. And Jesus Christ stretches out his hand and he says, I will be clean. See, the leper is a picture of us, dead in our sins, separated from God, without hope. But when a person just acknowledges that Christ is the only way and he comes to Christ and says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus will say, I will be clean. Sins forgiven, brought from death to life. Glorious gospel. Ezekiel 36. God picks up Ezekiel and he takes him to the valley of dry bones. And he says to Ezekiel, prophesy. Speak forth my word, that my breath would come upon these dead bones, and they would live. And he does. He, he prophesy, prophesies. He speaks forth the word of God, and the breath comes upon these dead bones, and they live. A beautiful picture of us. 
when we speak the word of God, because the Bible tells us itself that all scripture is inspired by God. It's God-breathed. And when we speak forth his inspired word, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, dead men come to life. It's so glorious. Let's take it so serious. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were, but you were washed, sanctified, and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. The glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, bringing dead men back to life. The gospel also, it connects us with our Creator. It restores our fellowship with Him. Back in the beginning, when God made Adam out of the dust of the earth, he was just a, it was a, it was a shell of a man, just a lump of clay, until God breathed into him the breath of life. And Adam opens his eyes, and the first thing he sees is Almighty God in His glory. He hears the voice of God. He walks with God in the cool of the day in the garden. Glorious communion and fellowship with Almighty God. Oh, it must have been amazing. But Adam, he severed his communion with God when he transgressed the word of the Lord. And at that moment, he surely died. And he was thrust out of the garden, separated from his communion with God. And that's us. We've all sinned against God. We're all separated from God because of our sins. And if a man continues in that condition, and he dies in his sins, on the day of judgment, Jesus Christ will say to that person, Depart from me. I never knew you. They never connected with God. Their fellowship was never restored. That's the key. John chapter 17. Jesus says, you know, he that believes on me has eternal life. And as he's praying to the Father, he says, and this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That's what eternal life is. It's that fellowship with God forever and ever and ever. Just like the Lord breathed uh, into Adam the breath of life and his fellowship was, was, was brought, brought out, so too the Lord Jesus Christ, he breathes on us and causes us to be born again. Just like in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 22, after Christ is resurrected from the dead, he breathes on the disciples, says, receive ye the Holy Spirit. Glorious. The gospel uh, restores our fellowship with God. It brings us back to life. It's, it's so wonderful. Let's, let's take it serious, guys. Let's move on. Verse 21. We're skipping down to verse 21. Excuse me. God made him 
who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So this this will be our next and final point. What is the gospel? I mean, because there's a lot of confusion out there. There's a lot of cults and stuff. So, so I think this verse really says it all. It says that Jesus Christ, he is the gospel. His name, Jesus, means Yahweh is salvation. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about him. Without Jesus, you don't have a gospel. You don't have Christianity. You don't have nothing without him. He is our life. Genesis chapter 3, after, after the fall, after Adam had transgressed the word of the Lord, um, God is speaking to Satan. And he said, I'm going to put enmity between your seed and, and, and the offspring of the woman. And, and you're going you're gonna to bruise uh, his heel, but he's going to crush your head. God speaking about the coming of His Son, Jesus Christ, into this world to die on the cross for our sins, to set us free from our bondage to sin and to Satan, and ultimately to help us escape from the wrath of God. The gospel is all about Jesus Christ. Isaiah 61 gives us a real good summary of why Christ came. He came to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the doors to those who are bound, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The gospel is all about God coming down to rescue us. I hope that's what we're telling people, that it's about Christ coming to this earth, God himself in a human body. So glorious. Isaiah 7.14 tells us that the virgin will conceive and, and bring forth a son. And his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Speaking about God stepping through uh, a human womb, through Mary the virgin and becoming a man. So glorious. Isaiah 9.6 says, To us a child is born and to us a son is given and he shall be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. God coming to the earth. That's what the gospel is all about. Christ himself claimed that he came from above. He says that no one has ascended except he who descended, even the Son of Man. In John chapter 6, he said, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. John chapter 8. Uh, Jesus had just told the Pharisees that Abraham had rejoiced to see his day. And he saw it and he was glad. And the Pharisees were outraged. They're like, you're not even 50. So the Pharisees acknowledged that Jesus was a man and a young man at that. And what was Christ's response? He said, before... Abraham was, I am, claiming to be Almighty God. So why did God himself have to come to our planet to save us? Well, really, because there's, there's no way for us on our own to get right with God. We have all broken his law. We all fall short of his glory. Even if we were to help 
an old lady across the street every single day, it would not matter. You can give millions of dollars to charity. It doesn't matter. You break one of God's laws, one lie. It's as though you have broken them all. You're a lawbreaker in his sight. He's holy. And so he, he himself had to become a man and come to this earth to live a perfect life on our behalf. He came to fulfill the law and the prophets. Matthew chapter 8, Jesus Christ himself claimed to be without sin. He said, which one of you convicts me of sin? When uh, Jesus was before the governor in judgment, Pilate, Pilate wanted to release Jesus Christ three different times. He said, I find no guilt in this man deserving of death. He wanted to let him go because he knew Jesus was innocent. Christ came to live a perfect life. You know, in the, in the old days, when someone brought a, a sacrifice to the priest, that the little lamb, it had to be perfect. It had to be without blemish or spot. And Peter tells us, 1 Peter 1.19 says, that we were not redeemed with gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And just like that innocent little lamb was led to the priest and and the guilty person would put his hand on the head of the lamb and confess his sins, and that lamb would would be killed That innocent lamb would be slaughtered for the guilty. So too Jesus Christ was led like a lamb to the slaughter, to the cross. He didn't go to the cross for anything he did. No, 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 no. He, He went to the cross to become our sin bearer. The Bible tells us that Christ bore all our sins in his body on that tree. Isaiah 53 tells us he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him. And by his stripes, by his scourges, we have been healed. Goes on to say that the Lord laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all, that Jesus was stricken for the transgression of my people. His soul would make an offering for guilt. He shall bear their iniquities. I mean, this is what we're telling people, right? That Christ came and he was sinless. And he came to be the Lamb of God. We're telling people, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Is that what you're telling people? Keep it up. It's the gospel. It was the will of of the Lord to crush Jesus. It was God the Father's plan to crush His only Son so that you could be accounted righteous in the sight of God, so that you could get right with God. It's so glorious, this gospel that we have. In the upper room, Jesus Christ, uh, holding up the bread, He says, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for You, not for me. I'm not dying for anything I've done. It's for you. He takes the cup and he blesses it. He says, take and drink. This is my blood which is poured out 
for many for the forgiveness of sins. It was no accident that Christ ended up on that cross. It was God's predetermined plan before the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world. Romans 4 tells us that righteousness will be accounted to us who believe in Him, who raised from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. He's alive. He was slain, but three days later, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And his resurrection from the dead is God's stamp of approval on everything Christ did, his work of redemption on the cross, his miracles, his promises of eternal life, and his warnings of eternal damnation. God's stamp of approval. I raised my son from the dead. Christ showed himself alive by many infallible proofs, eating and drinking with them for 40 days and 40 nights, teaching them about the kingdom of God. All the apostles saw the Lord. Paul saw the Lord. More than 500 eyewitnesses saw him at one time, many of whom were still alive at the time Paul was writing that. We look at the, the, uh, the, uh, the apostles. You know, after Christ was killed, they're, they're hiding out, they're scared. But then, you know, Christ rose from the dead and he appears to them. Next thing you know, they're preaching the gospel everywhere, turning the world upside down. He's alive. We have the Apostle Paul, his testimony. He was killing Christians. Next thing you know, he sees the risen Savior. He's telling everybody in the world about him. Our, our king is risen from the dead. I hope that's what we're telling people. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God. Our King, Jesus Christ, the Lord of heaven and earth, is alive. He's alive. Let's not shrink back, but let's hold forth the word of life. Let's tell the whole world about Him. You know, my own personal testimony. My mom, uh, she, she died when I was a baby. My dad went to jail for murder shortly after that. He murdered my half-sister's mom, his girlfriend. I was put into foster care for a little while. I was adopted by my aunt. She became my mom. We lived a, uh, she was a single mom. She ended up having four kids all together. She worked like waitress jobs. So we were very poor. We were a very secular family. No God in our lives. When I became a teenager, I became very rebellious, living out my own sin nature, following the passions of my heart, doing all sorts of drugs, destroying people's lives, stealing, you name it, I did it. I had destroyed my life. At one point, I was at the brink of death. My mom tells me now that my lips were blue. I was on some pretty bad drugs that made you hallucinate and and lose a lot of weight, those kind of drugs. You know, cops were... At least I thought cops were watching me. I was selling drugs. I was pretty bad. I I literally felt like I was going to die or end up in prison really soon. I was as good as dead. Without hope, without God in this world, alienated. But then, a little old lady, a little old lady, she called me up on the phone, my grandma. She was the only one in my family that was religious. And she told me about Jesus Christ. She said, Jim, do you want to, 
to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. I remember that. And I said, yes. I said, yes. My life was transformed. She wasn't anybody special. She didn't have a podium. She didn't go to Bible college. She doesn't have a PhD. She lived in a mobile home park. She had her own cleaning business. She cleaned houses for a living. She wasn't anybody special in the world's eyes. But she told me about Jesus Christ, a dead man. Dead in my sins, separated from God, yes. And dead in the eyes of the world. And what happened? I was transformed. My sins washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ. Fellowship with the creator of the universe. Praise God she shared the gospel with me. I even remember... One time in a grocery store, I was a checker. I remember this lady came through my line. And, and, and I checked her, checked her, whatever. And I remember, this is like, yeah, I know. I ran out of words there. She, uh, this is like in slow motion. She pulled something out of her back pocket and she goes, Shh. And I remember sticking my hand out and grabbing it and looking at it. And it had two words on it, born again. She handed me a gospel track. This was before I heard about, before my grandma told me. And I just knew something was special about this. I put it in my pocket with good intentions to read it. I lost it. But I, I've told this to many people. I've seen millions of pieces of paper in my life with writings on them. But I remember this one specific piece of paper with two little words, born again. That lady planted a seed in my heart. My little grandma told me the gospel about Jesus Christ. And I got saved. So glorious. So that's what we're talking about today. Why we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, we're accountable to God. We want to be obedient. We're obligated to lost souls. How are they going to hear without a preacher? Uh, What the gospel of Jesus Christ does. It brings dead men back to life. It restores fellowship with Almighty God and what the gospel is. Jesus Christ himself becoming a lamb, being nailed to a tree, three days later rising from the dead. That's what we're talking about today. So what about you, Christian? Are you taking this charge from the Lord seriously? If so, I commend you. Keep it up. Share with your friends. Share with your relatives. Share with your neighbors. Share with strangers. Encourage one another to share the gospel. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll raise you up and send you out. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ today, and you're sitting in this place, God commands you to repent, to turn from your sin, and to call on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will have the forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. You'll be brought from death to life, fellowship with the creator of the universe. Today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Let's pray. Father, what an honor. What an honor to be called the children of God. Behold what manner of love. You are so glorious and so wonderful to us. We thank you for calling us 
to be your own, Lord. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for our sins and then raising him from the dead so that we could be justified. Father, I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and inspire us to be those who preach the gospel to every creature. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can stand for the closing song.